you ready to talk fantasy football? Then you're ready for the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your hosts, Mike Randall and Scott Berg. Week five in the books, fantasy football recap here. Picking Up the Blitz is back. And Scott, no matter what week it is, the knee-jerk reactions are plenty around Twitter and around social media. Yeah, well, I mean, you said week five in the books. You might as well be in the books. This Monday night game that we got going on here is absolute snooze fest here. The Twins lead the Cubs 3-2 to two in interleague play at halftime. It's absolutely boring to watch. So week five, you could say, in the books. Yeah, snooze fest uh, circa 2017. But, Scott, I got some vendettas to get, man. I have some attacks. It's time for Mike Randall, refreshed and replenished. I can't wait to go. Let's hit quarter one. Let me explain something about fantasy football, Scott. What we do here is we have guts because we're men and we come out here and we take our expertise and we make predictions, Scott. And you know what happens with those sharps in Vegas? If these people who make all the money when they're gambling, they aim for 58% correct. That's right, Scott. They don't get 70% of the games right. They don't get 80% of the wages right. They get 58%. So you know what what being a man is about? It's about me admitting, Scott, when I'm wrong. And I was wrong about Kareem Hunt. I was very wrong. Sure, Scott, he has six rushes that account for 300 yards this year. But you know what? It's a point at which the stats, it doesn't matter the argument. The stats are what they are. Kareem Hunt, I was wrong. Did I admit it? You did. I did. You absolutely did. You did. And ready? Hit the music, Scott. I am done with Jay Cutler. I was wrong. I was wrong. Terrible job by me. Horrific. Titanic music. We've sunk. I'm crying there with DiCaprio as it goes down. Awful job by Jay Cutler. Folks, full disclosure, Scott is undefeated in our league. Has a really good team. He suffered some injuries. He had people on bye weeks. He's starting Jacoby Brissett. I thought my matchups were terrible. However, I did lose, but if I had not started Jay Cutler and started Carson Wentz, I would have beat him, which would have been a big win. But you know what, Scott? I didn't deserve it. My decisions were horrific. You deserve to win. I'm glad you win. I did not want to win this way because my team was terrible and my decisions were awful. But you know what? I was wrong about Jay Cutler. You're dead wrong about Jay Cutler, but listen, you stick to your convictions. That's that. That's what you do. But you know, full disclosure here, I you know, I was down 15 going into last night, and and this is non PPR folks. So those garbage time touchdowns that DeAndre Hopkins just swallowed up all three of them, and his you know 40 total yards were what put me over the top. So yes, I'm going to take the win anyway I can. But full disclosure, that was a garbage time victory, but it does put me to five and zero. Give you some credit though. You crushed me in the other league. We are on Yahoo, so we went one and one head to head this week. But you are a man that sticks to your convictions, and that's what I like about you. That's why this show works so well. You suck with Jay Cutler. I'm glad you did because you left 38 points on the bench with Carson Wentz. But I'm just glad to hear that we don't have to spend any more time talking about Jay Cutler and how he's going to have fantasy prowess the rest of the year because it's obvious, folks, he's not done. He's out. But there's a flip side to that coin, Scott. There's a flip side, my partner. You're darn right I stick to my convictions because I'm not coming out here and telling you to start Stefan Diggs after he has a big week. People don't listen to us for that sort of insight. They listen to us for non-traditional insight. So you know what, man? When I get something right, you're going to hear about it. You're going to hear about it on Twitter. You're going to hear about it on this podcast. And if you don't like it, block me or unfollow me. You know why? I'm calling people out. I put out a tweet yesterday, Martavis Bryant truthers, and I got that Homer Simpson sliding back into the grass. Uh, That's a popular one. Yeah. And you know what happens? At FF erroneous, F-F-A-A-R-O-N-E-O-U-S. And this guy has some good fantasy football insight. We actually have been following each other. This is what he says. Quote, you're referencing the team QB that has happened to lose to the Bears and is looking likely for an L at home to Jacks. There's more here. Really? How about great call, Mike Randall? How about you're right on the money about Martavis Bryant? How about all those people who told you to die and you were an idiot have to eat some crow? So you know what I write back? You know, it's got to do a little quote tweet. I like the quote tweet. You know what? Because it's like a big sort of stick it to you <laughs> when I respond. I write referencing career average of three catches per game and the massively inflated reputation because of a between-the-legs catch, poor man's d You know what FF Erroneous writes back to me? 
Catches per game is a misleading statistic. His reputation is because he's a freak athlete, not because of a catch. Really? Catches per game is a misleading stat. Let me tell you something, folks. You know what I got? I got a math degree. I'm a math major. You can stick your coefficient of determination. You can stick your abstract linear algebra, your probability and stats, a little chi-square distribution. I can walk the metric game. I don't care. Catches are misleading. That's what the metric people say, Scott, when you catch them and they won't admit that they're wrong. You know, catches are misleading. You know what else is misleading, Scott? Points on a scoreboard. Sure, you won 16 games, but the points are misleading. No, they're not. When you draft a fantasy wide receiver, you want him to have a lot of catches. Don't bring that metric garbage back at me and try to throw that back in my face because it's spitting out at you. Martavis Bryant is overrated. You want to come at me? Your best argument? I'll give you the argument, Scott. He had five catches yesterday. Way to go. Way to go. That's more than three. Congratulations. So when I get him wrong, Kareem Hunt and Jay Cutler, I admit it. But when I get him right, I want the credit. And if you're going to come at me on Twitter, some other guy unfollowed me. Did you actually watch the games? This was all on Roethlisberger. Really? So when I said Martavis Bryant was going to underachieve, do you think I was going to say, well, he'll underachieve, but only if Roethlisberger throws for 400 yards every game? doesn't work that way. It's part of a whole. You didn't like certain players this year, Scott. It wasn't isolated. It was because of the O-line, or it was because of the quarterback, or it was because of the situation. How about the Jordan Howard argument? You liked him because he's the only game in town. I didn't like him because I thought the Bears weren't going to be good. The team is part of it. You know what, folks? Martavis Bryant, I nailed it. And I'm coming back with guns. Don't bring that weak sauce to me, Scott, because I was right Uh, on that one. No, listen, to this day, I'm going to give you all the credit in the world. He he is what the stats show he is, and that's where he is at this moment. There, there, There are some deeper problems on this team, and, you know, I watch these games. I watch them day in and day, week in, week out. And right now, it's funny. During the game, they put up a stat. You know, I average just three catches a game, and immediately I thought about you, and I knew this would be coming up today. And that's that's what he's showing. The ability is there. The talent's there. The the, the numbers are not producing. And like I said, problems run deep on this team, and they, they begin with the fact that the quarterback only targets one guy, and he targets one receiver, and he refuses – to acknowledge there are other players on this on this field. And I'm not making excuses for Martavis Bryant because I'm not. Because the stats are not there. And when he gets the ball, it either drops it, can't make the play, doesn't make the big the big catch. But when you're only targeting two guys, this is why you throw five interceptions in a game, a la what happened with Ben Roethlisberger on Sunday against the Jaguars, who I completely I completely got this one dead wrong. We, we talked about owning it. I said last week, last episode, I thought the Steelers would come out and put up 30 points. I gave you that 300 yards for touchdown line. Hey, it was close on the number. It was five. But it was on the other side of interception. So I was wrong there. But there, when you're targeting one guy and listen, Antonio Brown, it's fantasy Jesus. We talk about it, but you have to spread this ball around and it can't just go to Le'Veon Bell. This is why Jalen Ramsey and the Jaguars are all over the place deflecting passes. So Martavis Bryant needs to do a better job of getting open, doing a better job of making plays. But right now you've been dead on Martavis Bryant. He's got 3.3 catches a game. He had five yet, but for 20-something yards, it's irrelevant. So he's not a wide receiver, too, like he was drafted to be. And at this time, you know, people could say what they want. The numbers show what they show. And right now, he is no more than a wide receiver four, and that's not what he was drafted as. And so— and Scott, save me the garbage about the uh, the super athlete. I know he's a super athlete. Newsflash, ladies and gentlemen, the NFL has super athletes. No fooling. So for every time you have a Martavis Bryant, I'm going to give you a Lamar Miller. I'm going to give you a Jarek McKinnon. A McKinnon. I'm going to give you a James Jett. That is not enough. And Scott, I got one more score to settle. I'm not done yet. I got one more score. I sent a tweet out last night saying, quote, This may be Andy Reid's greatest coaching job yet. Limited firepower on this Chiefs team, but play beautifully together. Well, I got a response, Scott, from at MMAFootball81. Limited firepower? You should be shown the door for that statement. Whoa, somebody's taking a stroll, baby, on Narrative Street, aren't you? Because let me guess, Tyreek Hill is just a top 12 receiver, isn't he? Because he was terrible in college, and he got kicked out of multiple schools, and now he's here, and he's not running good routes. Or let me guess, Scott, maybe Alex Smith really is the third best quarterback in the NFL. Or Kareem Hunt, he had a great rookie year. No one's ever had a great rookie year as a running back, Trent. Richardson, have they? 
Folks, the Chiefs don't have a lot of firepower. This is Andy Reid doing a great job. Don't tell me that Alex Smith is now a top quarterback. And don't tell me that Tyreek Hill, Scott, is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Save it. That's a compliment to Reid. But they're so angry about the Kareem Hunt prediction that they want to stick it to me. You know what, folks? Bring it. I'm ready. I'm angry. I want my credit. And if you don't like it, block me or unfollow me. Don't bring that weak sauce on Sunday, Scott. Now, listen, I feel the same way about Tyreek Hill as you do. I've said, we've said this from day one. Look, Kareem Hunt, you got that wrong. You owned up on it. Look, I drafted Kareem Hunt. We talked about that, but I took him 80th. I didn't think he'd be, you know, number one overall material, which he's been. So, you know, for that, you know, listen, you owned up to it. That's what happens. But, yeah, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs are not exactly an offensive juggernaut. They beat up on a team that lost their heart and soul on defense last night and lost Whitney Merciless as well last night in Houston. So, it was very tough for the Texan defense to respond. They had no answer to it. And look, they, they did give up 34 points. I know some of it was in garbage time, but you know, they gave up 34 points. You know, you're not going to score 42 every night. You're not going to do it with Kareem Hunt and Tyreek Hill and, you know, name me the second, third, fourth receivers on the team. And oh, by the way, Travis Kelsey didn't return after the first half. So if he's out, then what happens? So let's ease up on the Chief bandwagon. They're 5-0. Last time I checked, it was a year ago, two years ago, where they went 10-11 in a row and knocked out in the playoffs. We've seen this with Chiefs before. 5-0, give them the credit. They get a big test this week. I'm sure it's going to be an angry team they play in Kansas City and the Steelers. who are not looking to go 3-3, three and three, so I'm sure they'll get a big fight there in Kansas City. That's a game to watch this week. But, yeah, he's up, folks. You know, the man over here, he 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 he, he admitted Kareem Hunt was wrong. It happens. We get it. But, you know, he's right on Martavis Bryant. And, listen, the Chiefs are not this juggernaut of a squad. You know what I mean? So ease up that, you know, they have all these weapons because Tyreek Hill is is what he said he was. He's one of those flash-in-the-pan guys. He can return kicks. He can do a bubble screen. He can run a jet sweep. But when you're trying to get open down 30 yards down the field, I have not seen him break off any big plays just yet. Scores settled. Quarter two. Scott, I got to relax a little bit. Why don't you start us off here in NFC home games? You take the Thursday game, New England traveling to Tampa Bay. Yeah, go get yourself a cold beverage. I'll take over here for two or three minutes. We'll talk about... This uh, offensive explosion we were all expecting on Thursday night. Instead, we got a borderline snooze fest like we're getting right now on Monday Night Football between the Bears and the Vikings. All right, let's so listen. The Patriots go in. They win this game in Tampa Bay 19-14. Probably should have lost this game because Nick Falk, who's now looking for a job, uh, you know, bagging groceries or whatever it might be, missed three field goals, including, what, a 25-26 yarder. So the Patriots Patriots seem to get these breaks, don't they? You know, in games they play, whether it's a Super Bowl or playoff game, they seem to get these odd things happen to these opposing teams. I mean, Nick Falk's been a pretty reliable kicker. Lights out with the Jets. All of a sudden, goes to Tampa Bay, misses three. I don't know what's in the water for kickers in Tampa Bay, but it's just not been a good scenario. So anyway, the Patriots win this game, nineteen to fourteen. They go to three and two. The Bucks fall to I believe two and two. So that puts you there. Tom Brady, three hundred three yards, a touchdown. Big key here is Rob Gronkowski did not play. Thank you very much. You played Dwayne Allen. He uh, aided in the cause of me defeating you in the CBS League this week. So that zero he put up, knee jerk there by you. Brady, three and three, and a touchdown. Not much to talk about there. Uh, the running backs. Yeah, what did you see? Gillisey, 12 for 52, Lewis, 753. So a little mix. Gillisey still doesn't find the end zone. So it's been a few weeks now without a touchdown. So I know you're probably still not worried because he's the goal line guy. I think the biggest thing to look at here is the receiving. You know, he spread this ball out with Gronkowski out. You know, James White had seven catches. Brandon Cooks had five. Amendola had eight. Chris Hogan had eight. So without Gronkowski, he used everything he had, all the weapons he had. So that's tough if you're reading a Patriot wide receiver going forward. I still think Chris Hogan's the most reliable of the bunch. I know everybody's on Brandon Cooks as you know the 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 flashy kind of guy, but for me it's Chris Hogan. He's the one who gets the touchdown at 74 yards. So that's what the Patriots do on offense. Again, nothing out of the tight end position with Gronkowski gone. Go to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Jameis Winston goes for 334 and a touchdown, puts up a nice stat line. It was this, I mean, the first quarter. This game was a torrential downpour. So you know, for 334 and a touchdown and a losing effort against the Patriots, nothing to be shame about for Jameis Winston. You know, Deshaun Jackson was feast this week with 106 yards on five catches. Cameron Brake gets his goal line goal line grab, a nice touchdown in the red zone, another one that aided the course for me. So Cameron Brake's a couple of touchdowns in a row. He's been very consistent. He looks to be the lead tight end there as O.J. Howard was off the board. I uh, look at Mike Evans. He goes 5-49. So, you know, you know, the players showed up. Winston was there. The big guys, Brady, was there. But overall, it was kind of a dull game. Now Gronkowski out kind of. You know, hurt Patriot owners who had Gron- uh, fantasy owners who had Gronkowski, but other than that, the numbers were there. Patriots 19, Bucks 14, and who would have thought this? That as we get to a game later on, but next week the three and two Patriots and the three and two Jets a battle for first place in Week Six. I would have never thought it. I don't think you quite understand the definition of knee jerk. 
let me explain it to you. Knee jerk is when a player does really, really well and you overrate them the next week. Knee jerk is not, I'm going to insert a player who has zero fantasy points this yeah, season. Yeah, but you know what? Even in the last episode, you admitted to me that because we were, this game was going on as we were talking. Gronkowski went down. You said, oh, you know what? Matchup, Brady's going to throw to a tight end, whatever it might be. Let me go get Dwayne Allen. You, you, you jumped the gun there because no, no, Gronk no, went no, out. No, no, no. But like then every, by definition, every decision you make is knee jerk. Like, what, I don't understand. Knee jerk is I'm going to go out and draft right, me, Ed Dixon because he had 175 yards. That's a knee jerk. And, not, and you know what? That, that's going to happen this week. But you, you, let's just say you jumped the gun. How, how's that sound? That, that make more sense? You, you, you over, you overanalyze the situation. How, how do you want to put it? Because I want to put it that Thursday nights stink. <laughs> well, <laughs> listen, Ed, you know, what? Monday night is shaped up the same way as we're in the middle of a snooze fest. But anyway, but how is that possible, Scott? They have Stefan Diggs and Jarek McKinnon, and they're really athletic. Well, listen, when a quarterback's hobbling on one leg, and now he's out of the game with the backup quarterback's back in, and you're on the road, and you're playing a defense that's fired up, you got what you get. It's now 10 to 2 because of a Kyle Rudolph touchdown, but still, we got a real snooze fest here. Anyway, let's go to the next game on the NFC docket. Carolina, who I called phony a couple weeks ago. Listen, I got to own up to right now. They are proving me wrong week in and week out. They go to Detroit, and uh, the team I've been riding, the Lions, you know, Carolina, Detroit. What happened in this game, Mike? Yeah, a couple things. I love why I have an NFL replay. It's the best 100 bucks I've ever spent in my life, Scott. NFL replay, you can watch the replay of every single game at any time if you want. There's a condensed version. They just show you the highlights. Very simple here. Not a lot to talk about. Matt Stafford, fine. Cam Newton seems to be legit. 355 yards, three touchdowns as well. Uh, didn't run a lot, only at zero yards. Ed Dixon at 175 yards receiving. I said the apocalypse is upon us there on Twitter. Benjamin a touchdown, Funches a touchdown. Funches had more targets than Benjamin moving forward, so it seems like he's going to be an issue with Olsen being out. Christian McCaffrey got a receiving touchdown, which was nice to see, and for some reason, James Stewart just can't get going. Over on Detroit, listen, Carolina has a very good run defense. I still think Amir Abdullah is a buy. See, not knee-jerk, Scott. Even though Amir Abdullah is not doing well, I still want to purchase him. Uh, Golden Tate, 5 for 48, 8 targets. Marvin Jones, 6 for 54, 8 targets. Darren Fells, again... (laughs) Beats Eric Ebron, who Scott, I saw on the replay, dropped a wide-open touchdown in the first quarter there, right in his hands yeah, and out. Whoopsies. I, don't know, I don't know if you saw what I put out on Twitter, but the, uh, the reaction of Ebron owners is Darren Fells has two touchdowns and Ebron has a zero. Yeah, only thing I would say about this, I was a little disappointed. I started the Lions in one of my um, one of my leagues. It may have been against you. I'm not even sure if it was. But the Lions had a double-digit their defense every single week, and this week they bonked. Some Something uh, being cautious, Scott, moving forward. The Lions play the Saints next week after the Saints are coming off a bye, and Matthew Stafford is hobbled. Uh, so he has a high ankle sprain, and I saw uh, one of the doctors that we follow online also said that he looks like he has a, a hamstring injury as well. So that's worth watching, and that could definitely hurt value there for the Lions. So this could be the start of something big. But listen, give Carolina credit. They did not look good. I thought your call was correct, but they've turned it around. They have a solid defense, and Newton seems to be back to normal. Yep, and they get a big game Thursday night with the Eagles. Uh, Scott, next one, and I was knocked out of my survival pool because of Pittsburgh, and the other game I was thinking of taking was this one because, you know, 1 o'clock, Carson Palmer on the East Coast, you know what you're going to get there. The Arizona Cardinals, 7, the Philadelphia Eagles, 34. Break it down. So two things for me from this game. One, I want to thank you again for sitting Carson Wentz. I appreciate that. Thank you very much for your, your love affair with Jay Cutler. This Carson Wentz has a field day for the Eagles. And two, you know, you know how you went off and said you were right and you went on a little tangent. I'm going to take my chance here and say I was right. Andre Ellington is the running back to own in Arizona. I don't think there's any more question or debate about it. He may not be getting rushing yards, but again, he had 15 and a half fantasy points if you're playing one point PPR. Chris Johnson was dead. Kern Williams was nowhere to be found. And I don't care about Elijah Penny. So if you have an Arizona how Cardinal many, running how back, many, how, you ma- need to- how many carries for Chris Johnson, Scott? Nine. Nine. How many for Nine. Andre Ellington? Uh, one, but how many fantasy points? I yes, don't care he is the about much the better carries. fantasy back. How you many, are correct about that. How, you are how, many, how many weeks are you going to tell me that he's getting the carries, and how many weeks are you going to tell me they can't get the run game going? You said three that weeks he's going now. to be the bell fantasy cow. He's not back. a bell cow. I, no, a, I didn't say bell cow. I said he was going to be the best fantasy option in that back. He is. Then that, that is exactly correct. What he said. also has the same number of rushing attempts as J.J. Nelson this game. 
15 and a half points this week. He also <laughs> led the team in receptions. He led the team in receptions two weeks in a row now. Two That's weeks true. in a row. He's an excellent, he's the best fantasy running back on this anyway, team. Anyway, let me get off that. That was my chance to be right, and I was. Anyway, Carson Palmer, like you said, road game, East Coast, terrible. What can you expect? 291 yards and a touchdown, but they weren't able to do nothing. They only put up seven points in this game. You know, I, 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 like, I like the tweet you put out. I believe it was ESPN or, or one of those, the score, one of those websites tweeted out, Carson Palmer throws a touchdown to Jay Brown. However, they did not specify not what specific. Jay Brown is, that yes, was. Yes. You red know, red gotta, zone. Red zone. Yes. Red zone. Well, red zone next time specified that it was John Brown, who I predicted to be fourth last last week on the Cardinals receiving. He only had 26 yards, but he gets the touchdown. J.J. Nelson was alive, 4 for 80. Larry Fitz, 6 for 51. Jerron Brown and John Brown combined for 65 and a touchdown. The tight ends were irrelevant. And like I said, Andre Ellington, nine catches for 65 yards to lead the way in the reception category. But all in all, terrible East Coast game for the Cardinals as they get throttled by the Eagles. Carson Wentz, 304, four touchdowns, an interception, a bazillion fantasy points left on the bench as they put up 34 points. You know, like Larry Blunt, he showed up 14 for 74. doesn't get in the end zone. I think there was some talk about Corey Clement getting some action. He only went 7 for 17, so I don't think anybody's going to ride Corey Clement. With Smallwood out, Blunt looks like he'll get the bulk of the work there. As far as receivers, you called Nelson Aguilar having a nice game. 4 for 93 in a touchdown. It's a good call by you. Zach Ertz again, 6 for 61. He just goes out and scores a touchdown every week as he's on his way to being the number one fantasy tight end or at least if Gronkowski's healthy, fighting with him towards the end of the year. Alshon Jeffrey no-shows, 3 for 31, and everybody else really... Torrey Smith gets a long touchdown, you know, 3 for 70 and a touchdown, but I think Torrey Smith is more of a fringe wide receiver, 3-4 play on a streaming basis. So the Eagles go out and put up 34 at home against the Cardinals. They win this game 34-7, to get another win in the NFC East, and like we just said a few minutes ago, they get a nice Thursday night affair. A very, you know, on paper, a battle of 4-1 teams. Looks like it should be a good game. Let's hope we get one as the Eagles and the Panthers battle it out Thursday night. Yeah, only thing, Fletcher Cox didn't play in this game, which is kind of what cooled me a little bit on taking them because I thought maybe Arizona could do something. They couldn't. Uh, Fletcher Cox, I think, should be back for Thursday's game, so that's going to be quite a battle. That is a slop fest, by the way. We'll get into that a little bit later, but I wouldn't touch that game with a 10-foot pole. I mean, that's going to be a, a slop fest game, but the Eagles look good. They, they should be the favorite here in the NFC East, and Wentz looks like the real deal. Yeah, well, we go from one end of the NFC East to the opposite end of the NFC East. First off, the uh, L.A. Chargers leave home. They travel to MetLife Stadium to face the now 0-5 New York Giants. And, Mike, I'm not sure if you got the memo, but the Giants are holding wide receiver tryouts at the practice facility Wednesday afternoon. So if you're in town, give it a shot. I know you ran some track in your day. Maybe you can run down the sideline and pick up a pass or two from Eli Manning. Chargers 27, Giants 22. Let us know how this turned out. Scott, t- same 100-meter time as Miles Austin in high school. Just want to point that out to you. So, I mean, it is worthwhile. Maybe I'll put on my, my suit and go down there, and then you can talk about me and how I'm out there, uh, you know, maybe like kicking. Athletic. Yeah, kicking, <laughs> kicking nets and stuff. Yeah, That'll fun. be that, that'll be exciting. Uh, yeah, until I get hurt and have my, uh, my disc separated on the first play without getting contact. Now, uh, this was the only reason I was nervous about this game was the Chargers, Phillip Rivers on the road. This is what Rivers does. Listen, he had 250-year yards passing, three touchdowns, one interception. Now, I understand, obviously, the storyline here, Scott, is that the Giants lost all three of their wide receivers. If they don't lose all three of their wide receivers, there is a chance that they win this game, certainly. But they all went down within 10 minutes of each other, which is insane. Uh, the rest of, the, of the, the Chargers, Melvin Gordon, listen, he pounded away. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, Scott, that it was a dominant performance. I know he had the touchdowns. He had six receptions. But again, the key for my selection over Gordon, he caught the touchdown pass, was the receptions. He had a, a couple decent runs there, Scott. He did have 105 yards rushing. But I still don't think like he's a dominant rusher. It was now, the, listen, thir- 31 points, one one full point PPR. That's that's pretty solid. I mean, that's a step in the right yeah, direction. Yeah, but to be fair, Scott, six receptions, 58 yards, and two touchdowns receiving. So I mean, it's uh, not like he's dominant, you know, it's dominant. But I got to, you know, full disclosure. Listen, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you honestly. Either way, Keenan Allen had 12 targets, only caught four receptions. Folks, don't worry about Keenan Allen. He had 12 targets. Okay, he dropped some. He had a bad game. It's gonna happen. Uh, Hunter Henry actually had a touchdown, which was nice. Good call. You said Henry over Gates. I said Gates. He was horrific. It looks like Antonio Gates is just no longer an option there. Henry should be the, the better option. Terrell Williams, Travis Benjamin didn't do much. Their wide receiver three plays. If you feel interested moving forward next week i think the giants go to denver scott is that correct i think yeah, they're in sunday denver. night how about that sunday night <laughs> well what i'll tell you is this i saw signs of life from wayne gallman he was 5.2 yards a carry arlene's darkwa I got a touchdown, 8.6 yards per carry. So if you're a giant fan with fantasy, I think you got some positives out of this that the Giants actually started running the ball. As far as the receiving, Scott, I'm going to say right now, I think Shane Vereen's a sneaky pickup because someone's got to catch the ball. 
I mean, it's yeah, going to be Roger Lewis. Heck. I mean, exactly. you know, absolutely. Um, I also, you know, Evan Ingram being the third most targeted tight end behind Jarrell Adams and Red Ellison actually made me how, laugh. How does Evan Ingram get zero catches in this game with the Giants lose every wide receiver they own? Uh, How does that happen? I know, especially when he was a wide receiver that they play a tight end. I have no idea. Uh, but if you want to start Roger Lewis, you can't start him against Denver. But I do like Shane Vereen, Scott, because I think the Giants now for the rest of the season are going to be in negative game scripts a la Jordan Howard, and someone's got to catch passes and why not be the running back out of the backfield. Yeah. As uh, the punter for the Chicago Bears hits Benny Cunningham for a 40-yard fake punt. Nice. Touchdown pass. Oh, the touchdown. Bears I thought you going to tell Touchdown me pass. Nope. Benny Cunningham, open field, 40 yards on a fake punt. Pending the extra point, we got a 10-9 game here on Thursday night, and the extra point is good. I thought you were going to tell me Scott got to the one because then Jordan Howard get a touchdown. No, well, you know, listen, I had a 50-yard touchdown callback, so I got a long, I got a long hill to climb as we try to get back in this uh, race against Melvin Gordon. But I am but excited, no, Scott. I am excited because I think this is going to go back and forth for the rest of the year. I, I think it's going to be good, Jordan. We got a long way to go, but uh, you got a nice, healthy 30-28, 30-point lead because of that big game. Yeah, and any chance the Giants reach out to an old friend in Victor Cruz? Yeah, he was cut by the Bears oh, in the preseason. 100%. Yeah, I think 100%. Yeah. Great, great call. Yeah. Great call, 100%. And, Scott, you get uh, the biggest scoring game, I think, of the week. We have Green Bay and Dallas. Green Bay goes into Dallas. It was a fantastic game. It's nice to have a great late game, right? That comes down to the wire. Aaron Rodgers doing Aaron Rodgers-like things. The Packers end up pulling it out in Big D with a fantastic win, 35-31. It's something that's got to be said about these injury reports. Uh, you know, we, we also saw Devontae Adams get drilled last week, and we thought he'd be out for weeks. He's questionable. They don't know if he's going to play. And what's he do? He comes out and scores two touchdowns on 77 yards, making, you know, I thought Randall Cobb would be a key play. He was not, he was irrelevant, as was Jordy Nelson. He does score, but he's irrelevant. And well, Devontae Adams looked perfectly fine to me. So these injury reports, again, get us as, you know, these questionable, uh, these questionable statuses really lead, you know, no no room to be desired no, you know, for any of us to know what's actually going on. But Aaron Rodgers does what Aaron Rodgers does. The Cowboys play good in this game. They left him too much time. They left him a minute 13 to go and tie the game. What to do? He goes and wins the game. 220 yard, 221 yards and three touchdowns. That's Aaron Rodgers. That's what he does. Aaron Jones, he was like, I believe, Matt Kelly said on uh, Twitter, a free square in Free DFS. square, baby, yeah. Yeah, I, I, but you know, I was winning a good amount of money, and that that last Rogers to Devonte Adams pass killed me, killed me in my in my. Yeah, I, need, I needed it to be Randall Cobb to go up. I, I, I cash this week in DFS, but if it's a Randall Cobb touchdown, it's a lot. We're having a lot bigger conversation about DFS. But Aaron Jones, free square, he was on the winning million dollar lineup, so that tells you all you need to know. There, nineteen for one twenty five and a touchdown. So if Montgomery's out any longer, he's obviously the guy. I was dead wrong with Jamal Williams. He had one catch for one yard, so I got that one wrong. Devontae Adams, 7 for 66 for two touchdowns on 11 targets, so he was clearly the number one targeted guy there. Martellus Bennett, we said you can use him maybe as a streamer, 3 for 53 at the tight end position. Jordy Nelson gets a touchdown, but he really wasn't involved much, 2 for 24. Randall Cobb gets 4 for 29. All in all, the, you know, the Cowboys left the Packers too much time, so Rodgers able to go down the field and win that game, despite another solid effort from Dak Prescott as he continues to make me Look a little bad there on my sophomore slump prediction. It's still early, but he goes out 251, three touchdowns at a pick, a solid performance. It just seems when these two teams play, whether it's a regular season or the playoffs, it's coming down to the wire. It's an exciting game. They put on some good football, and we got another good game here. Ezekiel Elliott, 29 for 116, so he just does what he does, does not score. You know, I think Cole Beasley was alive. Four catches, only 23 yards, but he gets two touchdowns as someone tries to grab that number two receiver job in Dallas. So Beasley gets two touchdowns. Des Bryant, 5 for 52. He scored a touchdown, and Jason Witten, 8 for 61. A yeah, very exciting game. You know, Fox made this the prime the, the prime game at four, the 425 slot, as they should have. This game goes 35-31 Packers. Aaron Rodgers continues to show why he's the best quarterback in football. I know Tom Brady's there, but Aaron Rodgers is definitely the best quarterback in football. does what he does year in and year out. You know, not, you know, can't hang your hat here for the Cowboys. Listen, I mean, you just left the guy too much time. You know, I almost thought on that touchdown that – Prescott scored to give them the lead. He might consider going down at the one, but I guess you just you, you got to take the points when you Scott, can get them. But, I hate you know, that. I I got to tell you, man. I know, but you know how many times has Aaron Rodgers does this? Yeah, does, enough. This to the Cowboys, enough. To I, the I hate. I want to tell you, man. I hate it in basketball too. You know this old thing about how you should foul somebody if you're up three at the end of a game. What a load of garbage that is. Here's the deal. You can't mess around there. If you don't score and you mess around, you'll be crucified. At some point, Scott, you got to sit back. And we never hear about the times when they do that, man. And then they stop them. Because everyone just talks about, I know it's Aaron. What are you going to do? Like at some point, you got to sack up. And Jordy Nelson wasn't even on the field for the last drive. 
you know, it's probably going through the heads. They're sitting there and they got Elliott, who you can figure from the one is going to punch it in on four tries. But yeah, I get it. It just, you know, it just, you just left him too much time. Minute 13, you know, people probably thought he was, I, all along, I thought I knew he was going for the win. And personally, I felt he was going for a touchdown. Whether he was getting it or not was a different story, but he was not going for overtime. He won in that game and beautiful throw to Adams in the end zone with about seven seconds ago, sealed the deal. So the Packers win in Big D, another exciting game, but the Packers win this one 35 to 31. Nothing to, nothing to hang your uh, be ashamed about if you're a Cowboy fan or a Cowboy player. This is a good game all around. Yeah, I want to mention one thing on DFS now, Scott. I'm learning DFS. Okay, you're the guy who's been doing it for years. You got me addicted. I blame you for this. When we look at these games, and we'll do it on Thursday, man, this is what I'm going to start doing. It is within reason that we could have said it's possible Jacksonville's defense is really, really good right? It it, it was possible. We didn't think it was going to happen, but it wasn't out of the realm of possibility, was it, that Jacksonville could actually have a great defensive game, right? I mean, that was nuts. No, it was Right. I'll tell you this. There is no way, Scott, in any game script that I could see that the Packers-Cowboys would be a low-scoring game. Because even if the Cowboys ran, Ezekiel Elliott would have been a great DFS play, right? He was pretty good. He just didn't score. You know what I mean? Like, I couldn't those are the games I think I'm going to concentrate on moving forward. You say could it, you know, Rams, Rams, Seattle, right? Which I'll do in a minute. It's possible that Gurley could get stopped, right? Right. I mean, Seattle could Absolutely. say, right? there's no way, Scott, that Aaron Rodgers or Ezekiel Elliott's having a bad game. There's no way. Uh, you're right. And listen, I mean, I, I, I use my stack, you know, my quarterback in this game. I used Randall Cobb on the premise that. Devontae Adams didn't know where he was because that I was like a that brutal play. hit. You, I like that You play. don't get enough. So, I mean, I did use Aaron Rodgers, and I bet I, I used him with Cobb thinking that if Adams doesn't play, the Cowboys will trigger it on Nelson, which they did, by the way. Nelson only went fourth. He got a touchdown, but he was fourth for 24. But, you know, Adams playing and being a full goal, you know, kind of, you know, changed that for me. But, you know, had out Rodgers. I had the right idea, just paired him up with the wrong guy because I didn't think Adams – and I even put that in the article I wrote this week on Last Word on Pro Football that – my, this pick was premised on the fact that Adams wasn't playing, and sure enough, Adams plays, and that changes up. But yeah, you know, you, you just look at these, you know, Vegas can tell you. You look at these over-under totals, because when they give you these over-under games of 49, 50, 51, most of the time they're they're on the ball with these with these totals. And when you look at the star power you have in those games, like like that game, you've got Rodgers, you got is Elliott, you got Prescott, as Jarek McKinnon breaks one off for about 45, 50 yards at a touchdown, the Vikings go back on top, you get... Your points and these fantasy players there, for, especially for the DFS spot. Your only concern is that they're going to be 20, 23, 24% owned. You know what I mean? You need the, that salary to be high enough to scare some people away. And in that game, I'm pretty sure Elliott was probably about 20, 21% owned. Rogers about the same. So, yeah, you can get it, those points. You just got to, you know, the ownership. You don't want to be, you don't want to have the same guys everybody else has. Uh, and you know, uh, that's what it comes down to. Well, here's, and then we can get the last game really quick. I wouldn't touch in DFS. If you're doing one of those, where you got those Thursday Sunday slates, right? They got one of those, right, Scott? Yeah, they got those. They, yeah. Yeah, I I will tell you, I do not play those Thursday Sunday slates. Well, uh, well here's I, the thing: I stick to Sunday only for that. Well, here's my point: Why would you start Alshon Jeffrey? Why would you start Kelvin Benjamin on Thursday? Because I, I don't. What I'm saying is, I don't think it's a slam dunk that Alshon Jeffrey has a big game. I don't think it's a slam, and he's going to be probably pretty expensive. Scott, he's not going to be four thousand dollars, right, on DraftKings. So I, I just think you got to try to focus on the slam dunk games. There was no way, Scott, and I like your stack. You, maybe you picked up wrong wide receiver, but you, you did the right thing. Like, how are you not sta- how are you not starting Aaron Rodgers or, or Ezekiel Elliott or Des Bryant or somebody in this game? You got to get a piece of this game. That's all I'm saying. No, you do, but then but then there you go. A guy like Cole Beasley goes gets two touchdowns. I can guarantee you he was less than two percent owned. Oh, of course, yeah. But you know. That, so things like that happen. But, yeah, as far as the Thursday slate, I think the only sure bet to be able to produce would be Zach Ertz. Other than that, there's really nobody else. Last game on the NFC docket for week five, we had the NFC West showdown between the Seahawks and the Rams in L.A. Seahawks win this game 16-10. to 10. From a fantasy standpoint, it wasn't too much there, but you can break that down for us. Let us know what happened. Yeah, this was a typical slop fest. Listen, Scott, there was a, there was a narrative here. I thought the narrative was going to be that the Rams are going to arrive. 
Okay, the Rams' defense arrived. They played really, really tough. Jared Goff had two interceptions against a tough team. He's only 22 of 47. There's that completion percentage, Scott. I'm a big fan of that, you know. Uh, and then the, you could see that they would stuff – and they did. They stuffed Gurley. They, did, they said, we're going to stop Gurley. And Seattle has a really good defense, even though Cliff Averill isn't there anymore. Uh, I, I, you know that you could see that that's the deal. And on the flip side, they stopped Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, 24-37, not great, not horrific. One touchdown, one interception, only 16 yards rushing. My takeaway from Seattle, Graham had a touchdown. It's fine. Doug Baldwin's going to be fine. He's a little banged up, I still think. But uh, the other issue, Scott, J.D. McKissick is an issue. They're targeting J.D. McKissick. They only ran him twice. No one gets any rushing yards on this team. The Rams stuffed Rawls. They stuffed Lacey. They stuffed Wilson. Uh, all those guys. But J.D. McKissick is going to be a receiver. Don't look now, Scott. He's going to pass Paul Richardson. So I would be, I'm telling you right now, he is an issue. They like him. They're not using Rawls in the passing game. Procise is hurt. Eddie Lacy, stop. J.D. McKissick is a problem. If you want to take a flyer on him one week in DraftKings and he's really, really cheap, I think he's worth a flyer and he's cheap because I'll tell you right now, he's going to be an issue. Look into the Rams. You know, Cooper Cup, three for 44. Scott Roberts, five for 66. Sammy Watkins, zero for zero. They're going to shut down Sammy Watkins. You know that. I still like Sammy Watkins moving forward. I mean, they played a really tough team. Seattle's going to take that guy away and that's fine. Uh, Tyler Higby, no interest tight end. I know four for 98. But uh, listen, this was a slop fest game. This was, are the Rams ready? They're not ready. Seattle is still the king of the division. But it was a tough defensive battle. Both defenses were good. Yeah, the, the, the Todd Gurley turnovers, have the fumbles have to worry you a little bit. Like, he's having a great year, a nice bounce back year, but these turnovers have to worry you a little bit going forward if you're a Todd Gurley owner. You did know, you, Scott, gonna, did, I'm sorry. Did you see somebody came at me about that also? I said, folks, five games, five fumbles. He goes, are you even watching the game? Yeah, I, I did see. I did see that. Yes, yeah, Scott. You know what he did? He reached the ball out with a defender right next to him, and the guy stripped it. Yes, yeah, I did no. watch the game, and that's careless. And when you fumble, you're careless. Bring it. Mike Randall's taking names today, Scott. Quarter three. Let's cool down. All right, Mike. We start third quarter. We go to the AFC side now as we try to wrap this week five. And the first game, you were on this game with the Buffalo Bills traveling to Cincinnati to play the Cincinnati Bengals in what was early on in this game a torrential downpour, a lot of rain in the Midwest there in Cincinnati. But the Bengals win this game 20-16. to What happened from a fantasy standpoint? Uh, well, what happened from a fantasy standpoint is AJ Green is really good at football. Okay, and he helped me in the Yahoo League, thank goodness, because I needed that performance to try to keep pace there. Uh, and he did a very good job. AJ Green's a real deal. We knew this was going to happen. The Bill Laser change. That's why you hold on to a guy like that. Sometimes a change, Scott, like that can make a big, big difference. We'll start with Buffalo, the, Buffalo real quick. I got to give Tyrod Taylor a lot of props here, Scott. He has no weapons. Okay, <laughs> zero weapons. And he, Charles Clay goes down. Right. He's got none now. Right, exactly. Now he has none. So uh, one touchdown, one interception, 166 yards, only three yards rushing. And this is what happened. Vontez Berwick was back here for, for Cincinnati. So he's going to make a difference in the run game. They stuff the run. When he's there, the run defense is 100 times better. McCoy had a very tough 63 yards on 19 carries. What I will say moving forward, Charles Clay injury was terrible to see. He's going to be out a few weeks. But Scott, they don't have any receivers. Zay Jones, uh, Brandon Tate, these are not top receivers. So I'm going to tell you this. Nick O'Leary is a very good waiver wire pickup because they can't start throwing to receivers who haven't been good all year. So the tight end position has been very well utilized here. This is not a knee jerk. Nick O'Leary had five receptions for 54 yards. <laughs> I mean, he's got to throw to somebody. I mean, here's my thing. You're telling me that next week he's going to throw to Zay Jones? Next week he's going to oh, throw to yeah. Andre Holmes? He's got to throw to somebody. So if you're asking me if there's a receiver in Buffalo, I think it's Nick O'Leary. Why wouldn't it be? I, I don't no, know. No, I, 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 I agree with that. And this one, at least you got a week's notice. You know, unlike you know, last Thursday night when Gronkowski was out at 630 and 632, you had Dwayne Allen in the so, starting lineup. I was so, so excited. So you got some, you, I was you got so some time. I, was so, I thought I outsmarted everybody, Scott. I thought I outsmarted everybody, right? Uh, okay, yeah, and, the, and, the Beng- <laughs> and the Bengals, Andy Dalton, 328 yards passing. He got hurt for a while. He came back in. One touchdown, two interceptions. Joe Mixon, solid. Bills have a good rush defense, Scott, so that Joe Mixon explosion that you talk about is coming. It is absolutely coming. I agree with you. You may want to try to grab him now before you know they hit the second half of the schedule, which is pretty easy. Giovanni Bernard, Jeremy Hill, no thank you. Um, Tyler Croft, he's all right. You know, I mean, think when Eifert comes back, he's going to be an issue. Maybe you want to trade for Eifert right now because they need another receiver, and it looks like that's all they got. So, that's the game. Bengals win. They helped me for my picks as well. They barely covered by a half point. Bills, back-to-back home uh, road games, tough for them, but they're still 3-2. and two. Great job all around. Thank you, AJ Green. Part of the reason I cashed in DFS. Nice job. Uh, Scott, Cleveland Jets here. Little, This is, you know, these bad teams, Scott, you know, they can be like San Francisco. Um, 
Indianapolis, San Francisco Rams, which was a high-scoring game, although the Rams were actually pretty good. But coming into that game, we weren't sure. This was two bad teams, Cleveland Jets, and the scoring was minimal. Yeah, listen, I mean, you know, I think we both thought this was a chance for the Browns to get a W, and they didn't. You know, maybe we got to give the Jets a little bit of respect. You know, they're, they're playing hard and they're winning games. They're three and two. Everybody was predicting them to be in the running for these. Josh Rosen and Sam Darno in the next year in the draft. And right now they sit at three and two. Let's yeah, give, a, fantasy, give a Scott, give Todd Bowles a lot of credit too. He's doing a good no, job. No, you have to. And, he's, and you know, locally, he takes a beating. I mean, he absolutely takes a beating for many reasons for his you know, play calling on defense, his defense being overrated, and then his monotone voice when he goes to press conferences. So he gets destroyed locally. But you know what? He's got the three and two. He's got them playing hard. And look, I know Josh McCown isn't exactly you know a fantasy legend, but he, he, he is winning games for the Jets, and that's all they need. He goes 194, two touchdowns, and an interception. That's a pretty good road line. I know it's the Browns, but that's a pretty good road line in a winning effort. Yeah, I think big news out of this game now is Bilal Powell injures his calf, you know, question marks and his availability availability for New England next week. And, you know, Manish made a local Jet reporter here, states that Elijah Maguire is in line for a huge workload against New England. So that's something to watch for. If Maguire wasn't scooped up on the waiver wire, he might be somebody people are going to want to trigger, uh, target, because... You know, if Powell's out and Forte's already out, he's going to be the lead guy there. Receiving side, McCown spread it out a little bit. No real big numbers here to talk about. I think Jermaine Curse is your is your you know the guy in fantasy you may play. He goes four for thirty eight and he scores the touchdown. And Austin Safarian Jenkins gets another touchdown, six catches, only twenty nine yards, but he's becoming a reliable weekly tight end play, and you can keep rolling him out on a weekly basis. On the Browns side, listen, I got a little bit of a gripe with Hugh Jackson. You know, I know you're not winning and, you know, your rookie quarterback is struggling, but he's a rookie quarterback. You're on a bad team. You're now 0-5. You drafted him. You 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 let him be the starting quarterback when the year started. Stop playing these games with Sean Kaiser. Starting him, taking him out for Kevin Hogan, and starting him again. Just you're not going anywhere. Let the kid play. Let the kid develop and find out if you have something going forward. Yeah, but Scott, he's been terrible though. I mean, I he's been awful. That, but where are they going? Where, where are they? Where are they going? You 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 drafted this kid. You let Osweiler go. You're letting this kid play. So what are you what are you doing? I mean, is Kevin Hogan the answer? Are you trying to find out if Kevin Hogan's the answer? I mean, it just it's if they were a contending team or they were going somewhere, I get it. But they're not going anywhere. They're zero and five. Find out what you have now because as the way this is going on, you're going to be in position to maybe get another quarterback next year. So see what you have. I mean, to me, it's just frustrating. I get it. He hasn't been good. I understand that. But, you know, I'm sure the Cleveland fans would rather see what you have than just go in and out. That's just my perspective on it. From a running standpoint, you know, Isaiah Corral, 16 for 60. I know you bought low on him last last week, so hopefully he starts to turn it around. Broke up a 16-yard run. Starts to show a little bit of life there. Duke Johnson, not much in the running game. But Duke Johnson, you know, involved in the passing game. Again, three catches, 63 yards. He scores a touchdown again. He was one of my DFS plays, gets you some points, which is a good thing. David Njoku, you've been on him from week one. You compared him to Evan Ingram all year long. I, don't, I know you saw the catch. I texted you as soon as oh, I saw I, that. I, I did. Uh, I may have tweeted about it, Scott. You might have. <laughs> Unbelievable catch by David Njoku. He goes three for 48 in a touchdown, but that catch was just something to watch. If you haven't seen it, check out the highlights, folks. Great catch by the young tight end. And it looks like Ricardo Lewis may be you know, moving into this role as the lead receiver. For the Browns, he goes 5 for 71. So if he hasn't been picked up already and you need a replacement on bye weeks, maybe that's someone you target because Kevin Hogan is not a household name, but he does throw for 194, two touchdowns and a pick. So Kevin Hogan was throwing the ball around a lot as well. Funny. I just noticed that Kevin Hogan and Josh McCown both go 194, two touchdowns and a pick. Very, very identical stat lines here for those two quarterbacks. And then elsewhere, you know, Rashad Higgins, 2 for 7 is a disappointment. You're really not targeting anybody else. So Duke Johnson's going to be involved in the passing game, as is Ricardo Lewis. Listen, the takeaway from this game is the Browns go to 0-5. They deserve to be 0-5. And the Jets are 3-2, going into a Week 6 game against the Patriots, where they're playing for first place. Uh, you know, I don't think any Jet fan would have believed it, any fantasy fan would have believed it. But hey, listen, that's what you got next week. And maybe, you know, maybe the Jets prove some people wrong. Who knows? We'll see. But the Jets get another win. They they win this game 17 to 14. They move to 3-2. Yeah, I, I I still like Crowell. I mean, listen, Scott, at this point, week five, you want to try to find some guys who stink, 
who you think have upside. That's what it's about. Amari Cooper, Isaiah Crowell. These are guys I think can be relevant. I don't think they're going to dump Isaiah Crowell and give all the touches to Duke Johnson. It's just not going to happen. So I think he has some values at some terrible quarterback play. If they ever move the ball down the field, I think he could be an RB2. So I think it was worth a thing. And I traded Jonathan Stewart, who's doing nothing, and Delaney Walker. I think he can replace him. But uh, not much here. I'm not big on Elijah McGuire. I think he stinks. So I don't care about opportunity. I think he stinks. I think the Patriots are going to shut him down next week. I'm not huge on that. I'm even nervous about Austin Safarian Jenkins, but I'm high on Gilly because I think Gilly's going to eat again next week, and I'll go down with the Titanic on that one, Scott. Well, Gilly needs to eat soon because Gilly's going hungry. <laughs> next up, Indianapolis hosted San Francisco. This game goes to overtime. Uh, the Colts win this game 26-23 in overtime. Uh, fantasy implications here for me was Jacoby Brissett helped me get a victory, but other than that, who else stepped up and who else impressed you? Yeah, Brissett was solid. I thought it was a good pick by you. I mean, he didn't throw any touchdowns. He ran one in, so it wasn't a fantastic day. He got the 300-yard bonus if you used him on DraftKings, but a little disappointing. It was one of those things. That it was high scoring, but it got high scoring late. I mean, the score was 6-6 at the half, so it was difficult. You start with San Francisco. Brian Horry was solid. I mean, I think, you know, he's not a guy you're going to play except in two, two, QB, two QB leagues. Uh, Marquis going 116 yards, but you're not starting him. But you know what, Scott? Listen carefully. Close your eyes. You hear it? You hear that noise? You know what that is? Yeah, I do. It's, I do. it's Matt Breida. That's what it is, man. Matt Breida is coming for Carlos Hyde's job. This was a guy, Scott, we heard Carlos Hyde that the coaching staff wasn't impressed with. I'm going to go by the eye test. I can be a metric guy, Scott. I'm a math major, but I can be a metric guy. Matt Breida is better than Carlos Hyde. He looks better. He's fast. He even caught three passes yesterday. Matt Breida, folks, pick him up. I'm thinking about making some trades and just going for Matt Breida. And that league, Scott, that you uh, you beat me yesterday, what the heck? I mean, I'm two and three at this point. What am I going to do? Um, but I'll tell you right now, I, I like Matt Breida a lot. Also, that noise you hear, Scott? You hear that other noise in Indianapolis? You know who that is? It's Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack's coming. Frank Gore is always going to be around the football, but Marlon Mack, nine carries, 91 yards, and a touchdown. He's also a good receiver out of the backfield. Uh, only have one catch here, but he's an explosive guy. He's a guy that you can look at also who may be on the waiver wire. You take a shot at him. Uh, T.Y. Hilton was great. He even should have had more. I think he had a 50-yard catch that he dropped uh, or something like that. He had seven catches, 177 yards. Dante Moncrief is feast or famine. He's basically Martavis Bryant. Uh, so an exciting game that got exciting late, like the Colts, 26-23. Uh, There's waiting for Andrew Luck to come back. They go to 2-3. and three. Niners, unfortunately, at 0-6. 0-5. Oh, and, oh, and, and some important breaking news as we talk on this podcast. Jordan Howard, a prolific name on this podcast, limps off the field or walks off the field holding his right arm. So that's a problem for nah, He'll be all right. He'll, yeah, but he's a big guy. He's, he's done that before. Right. Scott, his shoulder comes back in. He'll be fine. He's a tank, that guy. That's, that's not an issue. I don't think it's an issue at all. Hey, hey listen, you know another player that was on the uh, DraftKings Million Dollar Winning lineup? That would be Mr. Brian Hoyer. So Brian Hoyer, this is shows this really? goes to prove Brian Hoyer on the on the winning lineup for a million dollars in DraftKings. This is what I've been trying to say all year long. You you have to find out. That's why I was big on Hoyer week one, a couple weeks off. But these are guys. These are the type of guys that are going to win. Aaron Jones and Brian Hoyer were on the winning lineup for the one million dollars in DraftKings. So Scott, keep that in mind when you make your lineups. Scott, who they have for receivers? Do you remember? So they obviously uh, paid up for receiver, right? Something like that. Oh, they did. They had AJ Green. They also had Antonio Brown. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, just yeah, two off the top of yeah, my head that a, they had. Enough. I do that's know enough. that. That's so. that's sixteen thousand dollars right there. I mean, that, that, but, that's hey, listen, it. and you know, you got multiple points. So, but that's what it is. You, and and Brian Hoyer, who knew, goes for over three hundred yards. But that's the thing. That's where you got to find. You find those stars, and you build around them. You find those key value plays. And congratulations to the guy that won a million. He found the perfect lineup there. Oh, Scott, I'm I'm sitting here in mourning. Uh, you can talk about Tennessee, Miami. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I, I wonder. I wonder if this was done on purpose, where I'm getting this game so you can just enjoy and you know, not talk about Jay Cutler anymore. But anyway, brutal. Yeah, this was another one of those snooze fest games. You lose Marcus Mariota if you're the Titans, and you got to send out Matt Castle, so it's tough sledding there. Your wide receivers for the Titans all lose their value, and you know I'm starting to wonder what's going on with the running game in Tennessee too. I mean, you you would have expected a little more to Murray and Henry just because Matt Castle's there. You know, Murray goes 14.58, but he does fumble. Derrick Henry doesn't even get a point in non-PPR league, so very disappointing there. Uh, you know, Castle, 141 of the touchdown on the road. I guess he did everything he could to keep his team in the game, but just not enough as the Dolphins win this game 16-10. to Hopefully Mariota's back next week. Um, you know, they get the Titans back on track because you don't want to keep you don't want to be losing games, you know, on the road to the Dolphins who are not that good of a good of a team as we saw. But again, Derrick Henry disappointing. Uh, DeMarco Murray disappointing as well. The receivers, not much to talk about there. The touchdown goes to Philip Supernaw. You're not playing him, so <laughs> it's irrelevant. Um, 
Yeah, Eric Decker, 4 for 34. He's probably, in most fantasy leagues, been phased out. Anyway, Richard Matthews, 3 for 34. Delaney Walker, 3 for 25. So really all around, just a tough game offensively for the uh, Tennessee Titans. And then we switch over to the Dolphins. Jay Cutler, the Undertaker theme, has already been played. Maybe we'll play it again. Who knows? Listen to the show. Cue the music. 92. Cue the music. How about that, folks? The first player in the picking up the Blitz fantasy podcast history to get the Undertaker theme played two times in one episode. Well deserved. Jay Cutler, 92 <laughs> yards, one touchdown, one interception, does absolutely nothing on offense. Uh, Jay Ajayi goes 25 for 77. You know, he was a workhorse. He, you know, Damian Williams got three catches. So Ajayi got all the touches. Yeah, you, know, you want to see more. He doesn't get in the end zone, but I think J.H.I. is coming. That train will start moving around as long as he sells healthy. He also lost the fumble, so that hurt you on a fantasy standpoint. And receivers, listen, you're only throwing for 92 yards. Your receivers are in trouble. You know, Devontae Parker got hurt early in this game. He left the game. Jarvis Landry ate up 10 targets, but only got five catches for 44 yards. He does catch the touchdown pass, so if you're a Jarvis Landry owner, you salvaged that this week. But all around, ugly game offensively from a fantasy standpoint. Jay Cutler is no longer a factor on this show. Hopefully, Mariota is back for the Titans. And I would like to see some more out of DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. You know, Murray 15 yards. Derrick Henry thing is really concerning because he's really just not been involved lately at all. And I think that's a concern going forward for the Titans. No, they like they like Murray's re- receiving ability, and they trust Murray. They still don't trust Henry. Murray's the back to on. I expect him to get right next week on on a Monday on a Monday night game. Even though against Indianapolis, Scott was a pretty good rush defense, but I kind of like that to be a get right game for them. As far as Miami, yeah, Cutler's done. Ajayi should be okay. I mean, can he? it's amazing, Scott, right? Like last year we talked about how good the Dolphin line was when it's healthy, and then it's healthy and he still can't run this year. It makes no sense. Yeah, it's just, it's you know, maybe it's because teams don't feel fear. Jay Cutler, listen, you know, we talked about Melvin Ingram saying that a couple weeks ago for the Chargers. They just, maybe they don't feel fear Cutler. Maybe Matt Moore is the guy that's got to be there. I don't know. I'm sure teams don't fear Matt Moore either, but, you know, something's got to give there. I mean, look. 25 or 77 is a step in the right direction. Hopefully, there's more there for JHI owners. And just real quick, you mentioned next Monday night. Could you imagine Titans, Colts with no luck and no Mariota? <laughs> oh, I think Mariota. <laughs> what a kid will be on in the back. Yeah, yeah it's hope there, but geez. I mean, here's the thing. If he was a game-time decision this week, I kind of feel like he'd be back next week. I mean, by the way, you, you hit it before. The thing that's killing us in fantasy, man, is these questionable tags because they don't have probable anymore. That's so cool. when you say questionable, you're like, is it really questionable or is it fake questionable? That's what we now have to analyze. It, it, it's killer. I mean, you know, you got to you – know, and what you got to do is you got to give the DFS, DFS site some credit. Both FanDuel and DraftKings now have adopted this late swap. So, you know, if, if you make an early lineup and you got a 4 o'clock or an 8 o'clock guy who's questionable, at least – you have the ability, if he doesn't play, to put somebody in to replace him, albeit it'll be, you know, a fourth string wide receiver, but at least you go won't go with zero points. But yeah, this questionable take, it's killer. It's 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 just absolutely killer. Totally agree. Next game on the docket. I and I don't think anybody saw this coming. Uh you hinted at this defense could be good. The Jaguars absolutely put it on the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Thirty to nine. All time horrendous game for Ben Roethlisberger. Tell me about it. Well, here's the thing. You know, the only thing I didn't like about Roethlisberger, Scott, is I don't like this. Maybe I don't have it anymore. I don't know if that was motivational, what it was, but I don't want my quarterback saying that. If I'm a guy on the Steelers, he'll be fine, guys. He'll be fine. He had a bad game. He had five interceptions. I know. I get it. Like, let's move on. Like, I'm looking to trade for Ben Roethlisberger in this game. Yeah, three of the more deflected passes. Right. He's going to be fine. He's going to be fine, guys. He had it. Whatever. Here's the deal. Did I think the Steelers were going to win? Absolutely. But I thought there was maybe like a 10% chance, Scott, that Jacksonville really does have a good defense, and they do. And they showed up, and there was some bad turnovers, and that's life. Le'Veon Bell's fine. I think he's going to get fed more. He complained about it today. I think he's, he's going to get a lot more passes. What I will say is this. I think Juju Smith-Schuster could pass Martavis Bryant. Martavis Bryant had eight targets. Juju Smith-Schuster had six. My point is I think Smith-Schuster is a more polished receiver than Martavis Bryant. That's what I think it is. I don't think Bryant runs crisp routes. He hasn't run a route in two years. So I think he He's really just relying on his speed, and they've caught on now. If he adjusts, yeah, that's fine. But until I see that, I would start Smith-Schuster over Brian each week. Um, moving over to the Jaguars, Bortles only had 95 yards passing. That's got to kill you. The thing that surprised me the most in this game, Scott, was the fact that the Steelers, who have a pretty good run defense, especially at home, gave up 181 yards to Leonard Fournette. Now, I know a lot of it yeah. was a 90-yard run. I get that, so it really only had 90, I understand. But he was close to 100. That's the thing, is they were not able to shut him down. If I told you, Scott, that the Steelers gave up 95 yards passing, I mean, what do you think this would be, 35-7? to 7? 
No, and as he's running the ball, he's waving his Steeler defenders to come tackle him. I mean, there's one play, he breaks a 12-yard run, he's daring Mike Mitchell to come tackle him. And Mike Mitchell, you know, Mike Mitchell, not afraid to hit anybody. They went head-to-head, but he was running with confidence as he just taunted the Steeler defenders. Yeah, and that's really all I got here. Uh, you know, I think they got to get Vance McDonald involved more. I think Jesse James is what he is, but I think they need some more receiving options. They're going to be fine. I have no... Ben Roethlisberger is going to be a weak winner. Scott, he's going to be a guy, you talked about their schedule at the end of the year that gets a lot easier there especially around playoff time. If you can go trade for Ben Rosenberg, trade for him. Now, listen, I don't know if I play him next week at Kansas City, Scott, but I think he's a guy that you can hold on to and move forward because people are going to jump it off, off the bandwagon. He'll be back. This is a good team. They're going to make the playoffs. I'm just not buying it. I, like, I, I get it. It's fine. They're still 3-2. and two. Everything's going to be fine. But a big, big win for Jacksonville. Give him a lot of credit. Uh, very big win, and the defense is 100% legit. Their cornerbacks are very good. You know, the, the the biggest downfall for the Steelers is they continue just to, to, to at home play down to certain teams, and that's not a knock on Jacksonville, but they just don't play like the way they're supposed to at home certain times against certain teams. But be that as it may, I agree with you. They'll be fine. And if you, I'm sure people are looking to unload Roethlisberger, so if you can get them and you need them, go get them. Uh, next one, Scott. Ravens, Raiders. I felt like out of all the games, man, this week, this is the one I had absolutely no read on. I had no idea it was going to happen. Were the, the Ravens going to bounce back? EJ Manuel, is Amari Cooper alive? I had no idea it was going to happen. Tell us about it. Yeah, I kind of had a read on this one. I, I like the Ravens a lot in this game, um, especially from a DFS standpoint. They were one of the two defenses I used them and the Dolphins. So, you know, they bo- both of them picked up a defensive score. So that was good. I mean, listen, EJ Manuel, you know, what are you going to expect? He can't do much. His, his receivers are dropping the ball. I give Michael Crabtree some credit. You know, he's been banged up. He comes out and he produces a nice game for Oakland, but. You know, I wasn't banking on the Ra- Raven offense to be so much of a success as I was more banking on the Raven defense to to keep them in this game and help them win this game. And so be it. You know, they, they played well. Uh, Joe Flacco, you're not playing him in fantasy. He's unplayable in fantasy right now. He goes 222 yards, but he doesn't throw a touchdown, no interceptions, but he's just not a fantasy option. Again, the uh, running back carousel took another turn in this time in Baltimore. Buck Allen all of a sudden arrived. 21 for 73 and a touchdown. Alex Collins, who fumbled last week but got the li- lion's share of the carries. Goes 12 for 55, and Terrence West was banged up early in this game and did not really become a factor. And oddly enough, the rushing one of the rushing touchdowns goes to Vince Maley, who's a wide receiver by trade, gets a rushing touchdown. So I think we you know, lost some clarity on this Raven backfield this week. Maybe now, Buck Allen, Alex Collins, or maybe you just lay off it completely. Receiving-wise, Mike Wallace, back-to-back big weeks. He only had three targets, but three catches for 133 yards, a long of 54. Jeremy Macklin's targets went up. Six for 43, but, you know, it's really hard to rely on either one of these receivers on a week-to-week basis, so there's still more just, you know, fringe low wide receiver three, wide receiver fours at this point in time, so if you have better options, go elsewhere. Um, yeah, I'll say really not much else to say on the Ravens side. Listen, EJ Manuel, he wasn't terrible. I mean, he did what he could, 159 yards at a touchdown. Nobody played him in fantasy. I'm sure a couple people took a shot at him in DFS just because he was probably 4,500, so it doesn't hurt to take a shot like that once in a while. But again, I give Michael Crabtree some credit. He's been banged up, hurt. He goes 6 for 82 in a touchdown. He has been consistent when he's on the field. I mean, he is no question about it. The number one receiver in Oakland. There's no debate. Amari Cooper, two uh, one catch on two targets for eight yards. I mean, yeah, I don't know what else to say about Amari Cooper other than he's just been a massive disappointment. Jared Cook gets targeted six times but only gets three catches for 25 yards. And Seth Roberts gets his obligatory one or two catches for 34 yards. The Raiders are not going anywhere without Derek Carr. I made a personal blunder in one of our fantasy leagues, and I announced it on the podcast last week. And sure enough, the guy who went out and picked up Derek Carr after I dropped him would be my partner. Oh, that is correct. Yes. Of course, Derek Carr is now ready to go week six. (laughs) Listen, I couldn't roll with three quarterbacks. The only saving grace I get is I get Mariota hopefully healthy, and Deshaun Watson is still putting up fantasy numbers. So for the time being, at least I got some options, but, you know, Instead of dropping Wayne Coleman, I dropped Eric Carr. Go figure. That's that's a blunder on my part, and I knew you'd be the guy to pick him up. But sure enough, you did. But the Raiders need Derek Carr to be successful, or it's going to be a long season there. Um, Baltimore side, they go to three and two. The Steelers is three and two, so Steelers get that head-to-head uh, tiebreaker with the win. But the Ravens keep themselves in contention in the AFC North early. But uh, Amari Cooper is the big is the big thing for me out of this game. I know it's CJ Manuel, but now this is three three weeks in a row where Cooper's really been a non-factor. Uh, and I'm sure fantasy owners are looking to dump him. And yeah, I know you like buy low candidates. I'm sure you're saying he might be a buy low candidate, but you got to be worried about what you see from Cooper. Trade for Amare Cooper. Year one, 72 receptions, 130 targets, 
over 1,000 yards. Year two, 83 receptions, 132 targets, over 1,100 yards. This year, 13 receptions, 118 yards. Trade for him. They have to get him going, Scott. And that is what I've always told you. I love Antonio Brown. Why? Because he's a Hall of Famer. But you know why? I feel like Haley is sitting there as offensive coordinator and is playing fantasy football and is always aware of getting him the ball. Even last week, we didn't get the ball. They can't win without Amari Cooper. They are going to ram the ball at Amari Cooper. Del Rio came out today, Scott, and said something about he shook his his cornerback five times. He needs to get the ball more often. Go out and trade for him. Get some guts. Trade for him. I love Amari Cooper. Last game on the docket was a very, well, you know, on paper it looks like it was an exciting game, but it really wasn't the score. Garbage time dictated the score being closer than it really was. Kansas City goes to 5-0. and They went to Houston, played the Texans. Texans, a bad loss uh, on the defensive side. J.J. Watt early in this game, but a lot of fantasy implications in this game, so break that down. Yeah, be careful with Deshaun Watson, folks, okay? I thought the knee-jerk reaction with Deshaun Watson was a bit much. He had three touchdown passes in the fourth quarter here, unless I'm wrong, Scott, and probably got over 100 yards passing during that time, which means in a game they were home against a Kansas City Chief team that they really matched up well against. I know no J.J. Watt. He only had 100 yards passing, and he had the two touchdowns. I'd be careful here. I would be selling Deshaun Watson if I was out there. If you need him, that's fine. Lamar Miller returns to old Lamar Miller. I kind of like Will Fuller, Scott. I know he's feast or famine, but I, I kind of like him because I think he's going to be a cheap guy on DraftKings. I think you can get him for cheap in fantasy. So I kind of like uh, Will Fuller moving forward. Only three targets, though. Only three yeah, targets. wide receiver three. Maybe only at home, man. You know, like a home, you know, one of those matchup dependent guys. I'm not saying any better than that, but he's a guy who maybe, you know, you can sneak in there once in a while on a bye week. Kareem Hunt does what Kareem Hunt does. He was held down, I think, late in the third quarter. Scotty had something like 11 yards rushing and 15 yards receiving, something like that. And then he explodes. I mean, he's the most reliable RB in fantasy right now. Travis Kelsey's hurt. He was having a big game before then. Eight receptions, 98 yards. Got to see about his injury. Tyreek Hill, Corderell Patterson. Let's take it easy with the top wide receiver in football. He's sort of a feast or famine play. And Alex Smith's had a great year. What can I say about Alex Smith, Scott? I mean, Alex Smith has been totally reliable. He, Andy Reid is doing a fantastic job coaching, even though this team really does not have a lot of offensive firepower. Sorry, folks. But, you know, if you look at Alex Smith's stats so far this year, you got to love what he's doing. He has the highest QB rating in the entire league. And right now, Scott, he has, let's see, he has 11 touchdowns. He has no interceptions. He's thrown for over 1,300 yards. And his completion percentage, Scott, 76.6. Can't say enough about him. Yeah, listen, ride him while you have him. It's going to come to an end at some point. But ride it out until you can. But Alex Smith is not going to finish. In my, I, I don't feel we'll finish as the number one quarterback in fantasy football. So enjoy it while it lasts. But it will come to an end, I believe, soon. Let's hit fourth quarter. All right, Scott, last thing we'll do here, and then we'll wrap up shop. Wrap up shop. I, I want to just take a look at the games this week, Scott, and sort of do this DFS thing that we talked about before. So I'm looking at the slate of games that are coming up this week, man. I just want to throw a couple things at you and then jump in whatever you think. What I'm looking at is the variance. Like, for example, Scott, I cannot envision the Texan-Brown games. The Browns are going to Houston. I can't envision that without J.J. Watt being a slobber knocker. I can't. I think it's got to be a high-scoring game. I think maybe the Browns can put up some points here if they if they have to get going. I think you should try to look for some Texans on your team because I cannot picture the Browns going on the road against Houston with Watson, who's running, and all this other stuff that's going on. I think that's sort of a high-scoring game that I'm going to target. I would caution you to be careful with the Saints-Lions game. Saints are home, Dome versus Dome, Stafford's hurt, but teams coming off of bye, Scott, no one's talking about this. Sometimes they're rusty. In my experience, teams that come off a bye don't come out and start slinging it all over the place. So be careful. That's one that people could jump to right away. Do I think eventually get high scoring? Sure. But it doesn't jump down, you know, jump out at me right away. A one that does jump out at me, even though the Falcons are coming off the bye, is the Falcons Dolphins, because I think their defense is just going to hurt Jay Cutler. Now, would I go for Julio Jones? I'm not sure about that. And by the way, would you be interested in trading me Julio Jones for Ty Montgomery? No. Suppose I threw an Aaron Jones. No, I'm good. Thanks. All right. Okay. This is worth a shot. Uh, the Falcons there, I kind of like a Tevin Coleman game there. We'll talk about this more on Thursday. 
Uh, Redskins coming off a bye against the Niners. That's a one o'clock game. That's an interesting one as well because I think that yeah could that get- that would that would be a team I would target yeah. uh, coming off the bye uh, at home. The Redskins. Just looking at this slate with you, not to cut you off, but the yeah, the Redskins. The Redskins. I think Kirk Cousins would be a guy you want to target, and you 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 want to pair him up. And I would tell you to go with Terrell Pryor again uh, as the guy to pair him up with. So I think that. The Redskins are a team you could target a couple key guys on, and you'll get them at a decent salary too because Kirk Cousins is never usually near the top. He's right in the middle. So that's a game you can key on for sure. And the last one I'll talk about, Scott, is I can envision, and maybe this is me going back to the 80s, watching these games at 4 o'clock, you know, the afternoon game. That Raider-Charger game, especially if Carr plays, that's going to be a high-scoring game because the Raider defense is not good. They couldn't stop the Ravens. The Charger defense is okay, but they're missing, of course, you know, Verrett. And I think the Raiders are going to need that game badly. Back-to-back home games, they're going to need a win there. I think that's going to be a very, very good game to target. Yeah, yeah, from an offensive standpoint. As long as Carr plays. If Carr plays, absolutely. If he doesn't play, then, you know, it's trouble. But both teams should be able to put up some numbers there. Um, you know, Crabtree would be someone to target. You know, Gordon for sure. I would let, again, I would still lay off the Raider running backs because I know Marshall Lynch scored last week, but he still just does not look right to me, and it's not someone I'm targeting. But there are definitely some options. Maybe a Jared Cook, a Hunter Henry, you know, guys like that. There are definitely some offensive options there. Um, yeah, just looking at this other docket here. I could see this game, since it's in Arizona, I could see Tampa Bay and the Cardinals putting up some points. I, I think the Cardinal defense is a little overrated. So I think Tampa Bay could score, and I think the Cardinals will be able to put up points at home. So I think that's a game possibly that could give you some some fantasy value. If it's Gerald, you could play a Palmer at home against a Tampa Bay. like So I think you could see that game as being a game that could target and get some DFS points also. You a little worried that the Cardinals are going to circle the wagons because they need this win badly. And then here come the Buccaneers, who I think are a little soft. Peterson takes out Mike Evans. You can't see that happening. I mean, I, I could. I mean, I think I think you'd have to go with the Cardinals to win this game just because they're at that point where they need it. But I, I think, you know, I know it was on the road, but you know the Eagles picked that defense apart. I know it's a big difference home road split, but I think the the Bucks have some more firepower on offense. I I could see that game being 31-21, 31-24 where the key guys get involved. Uh, That's just the way I'm looking at it. And I also think that a guy like Mike Evans, you know, in a rare time can provide you some value because people will think just like you thought that Patrick Peterson will shut him down and his ownership will be low and you take that chance that he is able to beat Peterson a couple times and get some points and make it worthwhile for his salary. So that's a game I uh, I would target early, just looking at the slate early on. I'm calling it right now. Scott, last one for me. I think the Titans have a big game against the Colts. I know the Colts have a good running game. I think Mariota's back because he almost played this week. I think it's a big DeMarco Murray game. I like the Titans on that Monday night game. Yeah, I think the Titans have to have a big performance in that game, um, you know, but for the Colts and you know, quick note on the Colts there. You know, normally we hit the, the first quarter news and notes, but you know, they talk about Andrew Luck practicing, but you know, Jason Lock and Forrest says don't expect luck for at least another three to four weeks. So I mean, that can mean a lot for uh, Colts owners. But listen, Jacoby Brissett's done enough to hold the fort down. He was viable this week. He's got Ty Hel- Ty Hilton relevant. But I agree with you. The Titans. This would be a game on Monday night at home where, as long as Mariota's playing. These guys need to step up. You need a big game from Mariota. You need him to use his legs. You need the running back. Murray needs to show up. He needs to give you like you know twenty for one ten and a touchdown. And you need the receivers and Rashard Mathis and Delaney Walker to get back going. So this is a spot the Titans have to put up points in my opinion if they want to you know stay say that they are actually relevant in this AFC South and they're going to com- compete for this division. And now with JJ Watt and Merciless out for uh, the Texans. That defense takes a hit, so this division comes even more open. I mean, you know, we're talking about the Titans and the Jaguars right now, probably as your you know, front runners in this division. Jacksonville Jaguars, unbelievable. Folks, if you like what you hear, listen to us. Uh, give us a five-star rating and a comment on iTunes. Pick and P-I-C-K-I-N apostrophe. Pick up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Always follow Scott. He's a great follow at SCOT557. Myself at Randall Rand, R-A-N-D-L-E-R-A-N-T. You can follow the Twitter account and let us know whether you like our picks, don't like our picks. What do you think about it? At P-U-T Blitz on Twitter. And don't forget, you got us on Facebook also. And as we sit here and get ready to sign off, six minutes ago, fourth quarter in Chicago, Bears 17, Vikings 17. The game has picked up a little bit. Zach Miller and Kyle Rudolph have scored touchdowns. And all you waiver wire players, you went with Latavius Murray. Well, the guy that's getting the ball all night long is Jarek McKinnon. He's got a touchdown, and he's on the field again in the fourth. So sometimes the waiver wire can be tricky. Scott, French toast, strawberries, coffee, and orange juice for me in that bed. Okay, babe? Sounds good. (laughs) Sounds good. But we got some time. We do. Got about 70 yards. I need a touchdown to get close. (laughs) See ya. We'll see ya, folks.